Welcome back, everybody, to a long overdue podcast. And I just want to start this one by saying I apologize. I apologize for the, what's it been, three week or more delay between episodes. I've never gone that long. Um, it's, and we'll, we'll get into reasons why, but it's been a crazy few weeks. Um, uh, for one being, uh, I, today I'm my first day out of quarantine. Um, I had me and my son both had gotten the Chinese shit. And at first, uh, when I, when I contracted it the first day, um, well, let me back up further than that. So my son had like literally a runny nose. That was it completely. No other symptoms whatsoever other than being runny and still, you know, himself and crazy and wild and, you know, feeling fine. And then a couple of days later, um, I woke up and I felt achy. I uh, had chills. I figured I had a fever and I was like, Oh shit. I know what this probably is. Um, and I've always been in the camp of, I've said, if I feel like I've contracted coronavirus, I am just going to quarantine. And as if I know I'm positive, I was on quarantine for, you know, my 10 days or whatever. But then I got to thinking about it. So I was like, well, man, that means Jack's will have to quarantine as well. And he'll miss school and he'll miss jujitsu. And I don't want him to miss school or jujitsu for two weeks if it's unwarranted. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go get tested. So I got tested and sure enough, positive. I have Corona. Um, so then my, because I was positive, uh, we took Jack's and my wife got tested the, the very next day. Um, he came back positive and she came back negative. She has tested five times since and has tested po- uh, negative every time. Um, and she is in quarantine until the 16th because she did not test positive. Um, her, the doctor, she, my wife, for those who don't know, my wife works at the teddy bear clinic. Basically she is a, let me see if I can get this right. She is a a forensic child advocate and forensic, forensic interviewer. It's a mouthful. So basically what in a nutshell, what she does is if there is a case, whether it be physical um, or sexual abuse or neglect, rape, anything like that of anybody under the age of 18, um, the social worker involved brings them to uh, the teddy bear clinic and they interview on camera uh, basically just to get the kid to disclose. And it's, you know, like I said, it's on camera. And then that footage, assuming charges do go forward, uh, that footage is then used in court to convict. And then sometimes they're even, uh, Courtney and her coworkers are then sometimes not, sometimes it's not even needed, but sometimes they are summons to, uh, to testify as well. So they work with kids. They're in the medical field. Um, and you know, obviously they have 
doctors and stuff that do, you know, physical um, examinations and stuff like that. And so, anyway, they were like, all right, look, the best thing to do is be to you to test positive. This is to her. You test positive, and then you quarantine 10 days from that date. Well, she's never tested positive. Um, and so, what they did was they said, okay, so um, however many days, which will be, I guess, will be Wednesday um, after my quarantine is up, if she, she'll go and test again. If she is positive, well, then bam, there's 10 days more. She, I mean, she's been quarantined with us the entire time. Um, and uh, she'll be 10 more days. But assuming that she's negative, then she can go back to work. So it's kind of put her in a pickle. But so I, di- I didn't want to, I, I guess, jeopardize anything more by not getting tested than I would have by just going and getting it done and, and knowing kind of where we stand on everything. So I did. And the first few days, I was like, yeah, this is a fucking joke. Like, this is nothing. Uh, I took Tylenol for the fever. It was like a 99.4 fever. Very, in fact, the temporal thermometer didn't even pick up anything. It, it, was, it said I was like you know, 98.6 or 98.4. Well, I took a, a normal thermometer um, in my mouth or whatever, and it said 99.4. Well, after that first day, I had no, I had no fever. And then I really, I had no symptoms. I felt fine. Um, and then things started where I, I could felt like I was just sleepy during the day. I was tired. Um, and I wasn't sleeping well at night. Uh, then I lost my taste and smell and that really pissed me off. Um, and a, a little bit of nausea. I never got sick, but, uh, a little feeling, uh, nauseous in there, um, mixed in, sprinkled in, uh, and, and then, but the biggest thing was I was tired. Um, I felt weak. I felt, you know, a little sore, a little stiff and tense. Um, and I just, I just did not feel like myself. Um, and I really haven't until today. Today, actually, it's amazing. 10 days. Today's the day that I can go back out to society. Um, today's the first day that I've actually felt somewhat normal. Hence, probably why I'm feeling up to doing this podcast. But, Throughout the quarantine, um, I tried to um, nail down to get uh, my old um, Canine Club um, member, uh, James Guillory, one of my my best friends. Um, he lives in Florida. Uh, I was trying to get him on, and he the way his schedule is and mine is, we we're like, hey, can you do tomorrow? Like, oh, no, tomorrow's no good. Uh, how about tonight? He's a night owl anyway. He don't go to bed till like 3 in the morning. Um, he'll go work out at like 10 o'clock at night. He'll go to the gym. So, and it just, and then me being tired, I was like at nine o'clock most nights, I was just exhausted and then I'd try to go to sleep and I'd sometimes be up all night long, couldn't turn my brain off. And, uh, something else that happened helped contribute to the lack of sleep and stuff like that too. Um, you guys have heard me mention, uh, Bosco, my, uh, pit bull, he was 11. Um, he, back in October when I was in Tennessee at, um, uh, Treadproof, taking uh, Frank Galley and um, and Mark Taylor's course. Um, my wife got a hold of me um, and said that Bosco had a seizure. Money, he'd never had any any health problems before that of any sort, um, and it was kind of scary or whatever. And then when I got back, uh, shortly after a day or so after I got back, he had another one, 
And then I went to the vet and wanted to put them on a seizure, med- an anti-seizure medication, if that's what it's called. Um, and they were pretty you know, hesitant on giving me stuff to, uh, to give them like a preventative. And finally he had a third one and they're like, okay, here. And so we put them on the seizure medication and then no problem. Once we got them on a, a regimen of it, um, he never had a problem until let's see what's the day saturday um not this past wednesday but the wednesday before that I believe it was wednesday he started having a seizure at night and i was like oh lord most seizures last between five you know, maybe ten minutes um and then it takes him about then he gets he's rare he's you know falling all over the place I and mean, once the seizure's over with he's like super super disoriented running into stuff paces um doesn't lay down he won't touch his bed he won't relax he just walks around bumping into stuff and then he like after about an hour of that he kind of comes out of that fog and he's somewhat normal he'll relax and stuff like that but um this one went on this one was different this one went on for it was almost two hours. Mind you, this is at nine thirty at night, nine o'clock at night. And I'm positive for COVID. And you know, I, I can't really take him anywhere. And it kept on and on and it, it was nothing I did. He I I could see in his eyes he was terrified. I mean it was it was it was not something that someone could just look at him and like, oh, he looks scared. No, this was a legitimate look of fear on his face, on his, in his eyes. He was he and he, he he dogs don't understand what's going on. He doesn't know. Um, he was it, it was a pretty violent two hours, and I couldn't I couldn't watch it anymore. I couldn't allow him to continue to to seize. So. I took him outside and um, laid him on the ground, still seizing, and I ended it. I, I took his life um, out of sheer mercy, and I, I didn't. I've had to do that before in a little bit different of a circumstance, but um, I didn't want to with him because he he's a whole different. I don't know. He holds a different place in my heart than any other animal I've ever had, whether it be non-working dog or working dog. Uh, Bosco's idea of work was getting up and off the couch. Uh, he was a he was furniture ornament. I mean, he but he was the sweetest thing. Bosco was a type of dog that this has been multiple occasions for people that came to my house and met Bosco that didn't who never had dogs never wanted them didn't like dogs or were scared of dogs when they met bosco they said that if they were to ever the only way that they would ever have a dog is if they could have bosco or a dog just like bosco he was that good a temperament he was chill he wasn't crazy he wasn't you know like a like a big puppy you know running into things jumping on stuff no he he knew Hey, he would go up to you. He he get put his his head on your knee and would let you rub him, or he let you come over to him. He would just lay down, and he was just like the perfect dog to have in your house as a companion. Well, I, I say other than the shedding, his shedding was astronomical. 
Um, so there's always hair everywhere. There's still hair. I'm still finding hair everywhere. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to see that. Um, it, it was tough and it was something, you know, my, my wife took Jack's upstairs and he knew he was having a seizure and he was there for the first one. Um, so he knew what it was. And we told him then like, Hey, look, Bosco's 11. He's, he's an old man now. And there's, you know, there may come a time that where, you know, you know, Bosco has gone and, you know, he didn't like, he would cry whenever we would talk about it. But, and so I was like, Oh Lord, this is it. Jack's is going to be inconsolable. So we didn't tell him what I did and I'm not going to tell him what I did, but, um, I let Courtney, Courtney said, just text me when it's over with, I'll stay with, I'm going to stay with Jax. So I was out there alone with me and me and Bosco took care of it or whatever. And I let her, I let her know. And then she let him know Bosco's gone. Basically that he kind of just succumbed to the seizure, which is what I wanted to think. And, uh, it was, um, you know, he cried. Apparently I wasn't in there. I was outside digging a hole. Um, and you know, but when I got back in after however long it took me to, to bury him, uh, I said, how's Bosco? I mean, how's Bosco? How's Jax? And she said that he's fine. He, he cried. He kind of lost it for a minute, but he, he's fine and he's asleep. And, you know, we, we cried, you know, I'm a grown man. I've never, never cried from a dog, but I did with Bosco and I knew I would, um, with him. It's just, you know, we got Bosco, you know, when he was a puppy, um, when we have been dating for a year and here we are married, you know, 12 years later, 13, almost, almost 13 years later. And, you know, we lose him, and, you know, Jax grew up with him since he was born. Um, funny story about Bosco. Uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned it, uh, on the second episode about what kind of got me into working dogs or at least intrigued by them. But there was a movie, uh, I don't, I still to this day, I have Google searched. I have asked people, I have tried everything. It's a way to figure this out. I don't know if it was a lifetime movie or if it was an actual movie movie. But when I was a kid, there was a movie about uh, soldiers. Um, it was a war movie. And there were two, uh, I guess, the the main characters. And it, mind you, the details are fuzzy because it was so long ago. But the, the two main characters were working dog handlers. And they had two shepherds. One was named Bosco. One was named Bruiser. And I said... And I said from then, I was like, man, I want to have two dogs named Bosco and Bruiser. I'm like, it kind of, I got my first glimpse of what a working dog was, even though I had, I had a shepherd, I've had shepherds my entire life. Um, you know, I didn't know what a working dog was, but I did after that and I thought it was really cool. And, uh, I'd had feet after the dog then that I had, um, I, we had females after that. So I wasn't going to name a female Bosco or Bruiser, but, um, when me and Courtney, Courtney had never had a dog before. Bosco was her first dog. Um, you know, when we were looking for dogs, I wanted, uh, I wanted a pit bull. And he's actually an American Staffordshire Terrier, which is a churched up pit bull. Um, anyway, that doesn't matter. So I was like, we're going, we're going to name the, whatever dog we get, we're going to name him Bosco. 
So we wanted to, to rescue this dog. We want to get from rescue and we got online and there's a place called second chance Pitbull rescue out of Hillsborough where my wife is actually from about two hours from here. And so I was like, Oh, perfect. We can go, you know, if we've got one that we want, you know, a puppy, you know, then we'll, we'll get one. And sure enough, they had a picture of a litter of a black, they're all black and white. And, uh, they're in a big pile of puppies and a big pile of puppies. And, there was a dog that was at the very front of the picture. He was black and white, but he had, he was like, his body was black, but he had like a white Nike check. It was like a perfect Nike check that went like in front of his uh, left uh, hip in front of, so it went across his kind of the back torso area. And he's turned looking at the camera and I'm telling you, these things are adorable. They're tiny puppies and they're, they're adorable. And I was like, I want to see if she still got that one. And then, so I called the number, a woman named Dawn, she runs the rescue. She answered the phone and I said, Hey, uh, I'm inquiring about the puppies you've got. And I wanted to talk about the one that you've got at the front of the, in the picture, the front of the litter. It's got kind of that little Nike check. She says, Oh, you mean that's Bosco? I said, wait a minute. You're kidding me. His name is Bosco. She said, yeah. I was like, that's exactly what I was going to name him. I was like that out of all the names in, that dogs have, have, have ever been named. There's only two that were available at a, left of that litter. What the story was, was two guys had one had a male, one had a female that wanted to, to do a litter. They had the litter. The mom died when they were three days old. So they didn't feel like bottle raising this whole litter like they should have. Um, so they, just put them up for adoption at this rescue, which is shitty of them, but I'm glad they did that instead of killing them. But anyway, um, and that's how she got them. So you're telling me this dog's name is Bosco already. She says, yeah. I said, well, that's exactly what I was going to name him. So if you still have them, it seems like fucking destiny. She says, yeah, I got him and one of his sisters. They're the only two that are left. I said, we'll be there this weekend to get them. Do not let that dog go to anybody else. I'm coming this weekend to get him. And that was how we got Bosco. Um, so he was, uh, and then, you know, when he was two years old, he started like limping and like his knee would like pop. I could, I would take his, the bottom part of his leg and I'd bend his knee and it would pop. So without getting into a bunch of details, he had a little bit of a knee issue and his back in the, uh, in the near the near his rear end was kind of humped up. It wasn't a straight back. And so you could tell he wasn't something went right. And we took him to a vet and said, Hey, what's going on with this? And this asshole was like, you're going to have to put him down by the time he's five years old. Uh, I'm pretty sure this dog, this dog had rickets as a puppy. I was like, well, I got him at like 10 weeks old. So he didn't have rickets when I got him, but I don't know. I called Dawn and she's no, this dog never had rickets. Um, so I don't know what it was, but what I think it was, was her policy is any dog, no matter the age, sex or anything else, any dog that leaves her rescue is fixed before it leaves. So they fixed a 10 week old puppy. Oh, she's been here. He was 12 weeks. And I was like, is that not at mind at the time? I didn't know a whole lot about working dogs and I, or dogs at all other than I, just what I'd had as pets. I was like, is that good for them to be you know, fixed that? Like, oh, no, no, it's fine. Well, 
no, that's not fine. And they don't need, no dog needs to be fixed by the time before they're, you know, one and a half, two years old at the earliest because they, their bodies are growing. They need those hormones just like humans. That's why you see problem with all of these kids that are in like Europe that are pulling hormone blockers when they decide that they don't want to go the nut job route and, and change their sex. Uh, well, the damage is done. Their bodies did not develop because they did not have the correct hormones that their body needed. Same as dogs. So he developed all these things. That was one of the reasons why he shed so bad is because he had what's called a spay coat. Uh, if they get dogs will get fixed, male or female, uh, before you know maturity, then they can run the risk of developing what's called a spay coat, where their hair is actually longer than it's supposed to be, and it sheds un relentlessly um and and that's what he had but it is what it is it's the only way we could have got him and i don't regret it at all obviously because he was my best friend but bosco is i mean i still hear him his toenails clicking on the hardwoods i still you know he slept in he had a bed that was down at near the end of our bed um on the floor and you know i'd hear him when we'd go to bed, he'd come in there clicking into the bedroom and go get in his bed and get comfortable every night. And sometimes I'd hear him rolling around and hear his, his uh, collar jingle and stuff. I still hear that now. Like I would, it's, it's eerie because I know he's not there, but what my brain tells me I'm hearing, it's, it's amazing how the brain can do that. But, um, he's sorely missed. And, uh, you know, every time that I close my eyes right now going to bed, it's like what I've told like my wife and friends have asked about it. It's like, it's, I don't care how tired I am when I lay down in the bed in the dark and close my eyes. It's like I turned on, immediately turned on a, a TV and a movie is playing. And that movie is that night. And I, I hate it because it, you take it just makes me makes me miss them. Um, and it's just something I don't take pleasure in doing, obviously. Uh, but it, it is, you know, it's life. And, uh, if you don't ever have to, to experience that then good for you, uh, I wish I never had to, but it's not the first time, uh, moving on. Um, yeah, COVID, uh, COVID hasn't, and it hasn't helped when that happened during COVID because I can't leave the house. That's where he always is. And I, and I, and he's not here now. So I don't have really a way to get my mind off of it. I'm kind of always reminded everywhere I look around the house, I see Bosco, um, you know, I had to get rid of his beds. I had to get rid of his bowls. I, I didn't want anything that reminded me of that. He was supposed to be there pictures. I still have pictures up, but you know, his things I didn't want. Because they were reminders that, you know, oh, he, he could be here somewhere and he's not, you know, like if that makes sense. But anyway, so it, the, the, this whole thing couldn't have happened in a worse time, either him or COVID. But um, I just wanted to get an episode out to you guys. Uh, I guess this is what this is all about. Um, uh, you guys have been, I'm sure, waiting for a, a podcast maybe. Um, and I, I, I do apologize. It's just been a pretty shitty few weeks, um, for me. And, um, but I should still have squeaked out an episode here or there. 
Uh, but James, we're going we're going to do one. We're going to he's a good buddy of mine um and uh he's it's going to be a cool episode. Um going to go into kind of like what we look for in working dogs, kind of what the life is like um and uh and then maybe dispel some myths in working dogs uh, about whether it be military working dogs, police working dogs, sport dogs, um personal protection stuff like that a lot of people have misconceptions and we're gonna um we're gonna <clears throat> talk have a good conversation about a lot of the i guess you'd call them myths so um i'm just going down my list of things my podcast notes the things that i wanted to cover tonight um so the the episode with phil and kaylin that i did the last episode was really cool and we had a lot of fun and uh kaylin hit me up the other night and asked if i wanted to uh do another one. I was like, dude, absolutely. Just, just let me know when. And then we decided that we're going to do it for on, on their podcast. So, um, make sure you guys, um, give those guys some downloads. I'm sure if anybody's listening to me, listens to them as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll be on, I don't know when right now they're in California for the next week or so, um, doing some training. So it'll probably be after that we'll, we'll record and then just look for that over there on their, on their podcast. Uh, but before COVID, um, me and CL actually um, went to Pennsylvania to Patriot Valley Arms. So we had some barrel work we wanted to get done and uh, just an excuse really to go hang out with Josh. So we got there on a Friday night, uh, Friday afternoon. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. If you're, headed, if you're headed to Pennsylvania, to Patriot Valley, if you are around where I am or south, do yourself a favor. Once you get to North Carolina, get off of 95. You need if you if if it's if it's not way out of the way, you need to take the the highway 13 way. It'll basically shoot you into Virginia and then up into southern Maryland. You're only in Maryland for like a minute and then you cross, go, go underneath the, uh, underneath the, uh, you go into Virginia beach. Um, you go underneath Chesapeake Bay and then you go into Delaware and then you go follow Delaware all the way up and go back into Pennsylvania. That is the best route to go. Uh, 95 will fuck you square in your pooper. I promise you if like CL made a comment, he said, if you go up here 10 times, and you take 95, at least five out of those 10 times, you're going to get fucked on 95. And not to mention it was, it was snowing. Um, we dodged a lot of the snow by going that route, being close to the coast. We, we dodged, you know, warmer temperatures. It was raining mostly until we got into Delaware. We started seeing little more snow in the ground, a little more, a little more. And then we got into PAs when it actually was snowing. But in Southern Virginia, it had already been snowing and probably snowed all the way up. So, you know, it takes one retard on 95 to, you know, not know how to drive in the snow and you've got a, you know, two hour traffic delay. So by all means go that route. I will never go to Pennsylvania ever again on 95. It will 100% be that way. There's no other way to go. But anyway, we get up there Friday night. And, uh, we, we go straight to the shop 
and uh josh was there and we hung out for a minute and then um we uh what do we do we go to dinner yeah we went to went to dinner and uh with his wife and his uh two little boys and had a good time and then we went to the hotel got up in the morning and then met josh up at the shop i got a uh six creedmoor barrel spun for my tika so i took the six five creedmoor barrel off the factory six five and it shot fine i just wanted to switch to six creedmoor um i one reason because i have a lot more six creedmoor ammo than i do six five um and this this tika is a hunting rifle and um i'm just gonna hunt with it and six creedmoor and uh you know the the, the six five barrel was fine and it shot fine it was accurate and i mean like i said i dropped a 10 pointer at you know 504 and then yeah well that's the only one i shot with it and i shot a doe as well at about 400 but um the other the nine pointer i killed was with the six creed more out of ai um anyway it shot fine did fine it's just like i said ammo i've got way more six creed more with the ammo shortage we've got right now I was like, yeah, we can go six creep more barrel. If I, you know, if everything gets back normal again, I want to go six five. When I shoot this barrel out, I'll just put a six five barrel on it. Go from there. Did a did a twenty four inch medium Palma Rock Creek uh, button barrel. I haven't even shot it yet because with the medium Palma, the shank of the barrel right there at the chamber. Obviously, you know what a medium Palma's profile looks like. Uh, my rings are just literally a cock hair too low. The the very bottom the very back edge of the uh objective lens lens housing basically where it tapers off to the main tube it just kisses the barrel so i'm i'm not shooting it until uh jeff's got some rings i'm gonna buy from him um and and throw on here to raise it up a little bit uh but once i do that i'll break the barrel in and, and get her doped out for well, not that I don't, i'm in a rush i got all until hunting season but just to see how it shoots and everything. Uh, but I, I already know how it shoots. Every barrel I have from Patriot Valley is a laser beam. So it's it's going to be no different. Um, but uh, anyway, I got that barrel and I got uh, six cream, another six cream more barrel for my AI. And then um, CL got a six creed barrel for his Bighorn and a, another Dasher barrel for his Ultimatum. Uh, he's got an ultimatum deadline, uh, that he runs and, and thoroughly enjoys that action. That's a really nice action. It's so underrated in my opinion. Uh, as long as you've got the mag catch thing figured out, which like MPA and, and a lot of other ones, they have adjustable mag catches, uh, cause it's got a larger bolt body. Um, you know, that, that's a really, really good action. Um, in fact, I'm excited about the de facto coming out. Uh, whenever it comes out, who knows what's been going on up there in Canada, but, uh, they're, they're past due of releasing that, but that's the one that's got the Tika tenon, um, three lug. I mean, it's not Tika tenon. No, it's got his own proprietary tenon. It's a Tika footprint, um, which is fine with me do a Tika footprint. Cause I like it over a uh, Remington footprint as far as the interface between the action and the chassis. But they should have just done a Tika fucking tenon too, because now you got to get some, it's got its own one-off shit. They could have just done Tika prefits and been done with it, but I don't know why that didn't make sense to them. Um, 
but you know, I love my Tika and it looks like it's, it kind of runs like a Tika. So, I mean, I don't know. I want to get my hands on one before I, the, you know, the verdict's still out. No one's fucking one yet. So, but I, I bet it's going to be cool. But anyway, then we picked up Jeff's. He, he wanted a few barrels. I think he got two or three barrels. He got a, a six Creedmoor, a six Dasher, and uh, he had a 223 barrel up there that he had um, a little free bore added to it. So we picked that. It was already up there and done. I just picked it up and brought it back. And uh, we had a good time. It was a good time. It was a good trip. Uh, beautiful weather on the way back. There was like two foot of snow on the ground up there in Pennsylvania. I ain't never been around that kind of snow, man. I'm a country boy from North Carolina. I, I don't, every time I've been snow skiing, which I am the world's worst snow skier, it's been like artificial snow. Like it's never been, you know, real powder on the ground. So I was like, shit, this is a lot of damn snow, but they, they got the road thing figured out up there. They're, they're used to it. Obviously it comes with the territory. That's awesome. Uh, here, if it's snow out here, everything is fucked. If everything, if it ever snowed like that, we would literally fucking starve to death. Well, I wouldn't, but you know, it, it, people can't drive when it rains here, much less a dusting, much less two foot of snow. But um, it was beautiful to see. It was so beautiful. But then uh, it was, you know, cold, but, you know, bluebird skies, sunshine uh, for the ride back. Um, we had a good time. And uh, we did find something new. So Josh said when we were on our way up, he said, hey, stop at a, a fresh fish market. I want you to pick me up some fresh fish. I'm like, all right, well, cool. So sure enough, found one, found a couple of them, but the only one that was open. This little bitty, I mean, th this whole building is smaller than my reloading room. And it's in Northern Virginia. And I'm telling you, you talk about fucking redneck. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> some fucking i mean old man of the sea type shit um and uh just dirty as hell but they had fish and they didn't have any really exotic you know stuff that i think josh had wanted um but uh they had muskrat for sale i was like this says muskrat y'all are selling muskrat like yep only got two left if you want one <laughs> like nah i'm fucking good <laughs> I don't eat fucking muskrat. I'm not saying I wouldn't dry it, but I'm not going to go and <coughs> buy a fucking muskrat and cook it. I already know how to cook a muskrat, like the best way. I, I'm sure she could have told me. But, uh, man, that, and, and even CL, CL seen some shit. And even he said, I ain't never seen some shit like that. I ain't even heard of people eating muskrats. I ain't either. That's some weird ass shit. But apparently it sounds like hotcakes up there. Um, but we had a good time. It's always a good time hanging out with Josh. Uh, we knocked barrels out and I'll tell you that those machines he has are just impressive. I mean, just the precision of what they do and uh, you hit the right numbers. It's going to cut the right dimensions. It's, it's amazing. Um, those things are awesome. And, uh, you know, Josh is, you know, Josh is kind of, I don't want to say shorthanded, but I mean, it, it's not a giant operation. So, you know, there's Josh running the machines and he has a couple like part-time here and there guys that have full-time jobs that come in and cut barrels for him. And, you know, it's not a great big thing where there's, you know, five or six gunsmiths up there cutting barrels. So, um, but he, he puts in the work and it, the machines are always running. I mean, he's the type of mindset that, Hey, if those machines aren't running, they're costing money. So he's, uh, he's gotten running as much as he can get him to run. 
Um, but it was all in all love going up there, um, spending time with Josh and his family and, and hanging out at the shop. And there's, uh, there's gonna be some cool stuff coming at PVA in the near future. So, um, just, just keep an eye out for that. Uh, let's see, moving on. Oh, I got a coyote problem. So I have seen, I've had one picture of a coyote since I've bought this land back in 2017, I've, I have seen one picture of a coyote. I've never heard one. No, uh, that's not true. That's not true. I did see one back this summer. He walked like 80 yards in front of me. I had a rifle right in front of me. That was not zeroed. In fact, I had put it in the truck to drive out to my, um, uh, little platform. I got at a hundred yards to go shoot and zero the rifle. I had just threw the scope on it and it was not zeroed at all. And so I, I would have missed a hundred times before I had to hit him at 80 yards. Um, but he, yeah, middle of the day, just walking out there, hanging out, gave him the middle finger and kept it moving. Um, but that is the only time I have seen one, uh, on foot. And then I walk out the other night and, uh, getting something out of my truck and I close my truck door and then literally, 80 yards from my house is my woods, like the wooded area of my land. This coyote sounded like he was 85 yards away. Like he sounded like he was right there. If it was daylight, I feel like I might've seen him, but he started barking first and then started howling. And then when he howled, there was at least one more that was at the back wood line, which is where my target is at 500 yards from the house. Um, he was in those woods. So they were talking back and forth and I'm like, you motherfuckers. And I went and got my calls and started howling, trying to get them to keep, keep talking or whatever. And you know, they shut up, they got real quiet, didn't make a noise. Um, after that. And I've, uh, and CL has too, he has seen this, but the coyotes around here, they don't really respond well to other calls. To, to new calls, like to new coyotes, right? Which would be you with the with the call. Um, I use the made for killing game calls, uh, the diaphragm calls, and I love calling. Like I have, I've got a uh, a Fox Pro, and I you know I use it, and you know, but I re I've got a ton of diaphragm calls. I love calling them by mouth. It's so much fun, whether it be howling, rabbit distress, bird distress. Uh, like blue jay distress, uh, pup distress, um, you know, all, all, I, I love it. It's so much fun. It's just like turkey hunting, you know, using diaphragm calls, turkey hunting, but you've got an array of different things and noises and different calls you can do. Um, I, I love it. And I feel like I'm, it's me doing the talking or whatever, but in North Carolina, they'll respond to like, uh, coming to pray. You know, whether it be doing rabbit distress or in the springtime pup distress because pups are on the ground in the spring and, um, you know, they are really sensitive to pup distress in like late March, early April, stuff like that. Um, but when it comes to howling, you know, a lot of the places you go, you can you can go howl or do anything that sounds like a howl and they'll get them all singing. And they don't do that here. They don't, if I don't know why they don't just, it's kind of like how bucks here, they don't respond to grunting and snort wheeze and rattling here. And that to me is because of the lack of competition between bucks with over doe because there's, in North Carolina, our doe to buck ratio is so fucked up that 
it there's no need for them really to fight. They will fight. I mean, I've watched them. In fact, the uh, nine pointer I shot last year, he had just got done pushing a smaller six pointer off um, right before I killed him. So it does happen. They do fight, but it's I think it's more so when they run into each other, more so them going out seeking a fight over audible uh, deer sounds, right? So like the grunting and the rattling, snort wheezing, stuff like that. Um, doe actually to me respond more than the bucks do here in East North Carolina. But, and so I don't know, I don't know what that, how, if that's at all related to, or just complete coincidence that the coyotes don't really, they kind of behave the same way. Um, but regardless, I, I am eventually going to quit being lazy and I'm going to put my, uh, um, I got a little tail flipper that I'll put out there and put my Fox Pro beside it and do some rabbit distress stuff I hit from the house and just shoot them in the backfield behind the house because I want them gone. Um, you know, we've got fawns dropping. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a little herd of young, young deer, like little fawns. I mean, they don't look no bigger than major and uh there's like six of them but there's no adult does there's no there's there's no parent with them so i I just feel like if there's 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 coyotes moving in then you know they along with the new fawn crop are going to be the first on the hit list and i'm obviously trying to mitigate that as much as possible um it would be awesome if i could like bring major into the on the deck with me and and put the fox pro out there in the yard right because he's got an underground fence and uh and kind of suck suck him in that way and send major now major is a super dog aggressive dog that dog loves to fucking fight and i could that would be so much fun not to use him as a bait dog because that is that is some impressive shit if you've ever seen people use dogs as uh like bait dogs or or cur dogs for um uh coyotes it's really cool those dogs are so smart and they i mean they play they they'll they'll fake limp they will charge out and and nip you know nip the ass of a coyote and then they'll turn around and come back and it's amazing to watch um major ain't doing that i'm just gonna send him out there to kill him like that would be awesome yeah he's current on his rabies shots and i ain't worried about a fucking coyote or even two of them um major put in the work but that would be awesome to do and get that like on film like night vision camera that would be so fucking gangster but more likely i'll just end up shooting him in the face so yeah that's my coyote problem um that i'm gonna have to address because if you don't address it it's only gonna get worse but then there's the other line of thinking i forgot the guy's name that joe rogan had on he was basically a coyote scientist or whatever and he says that when you hunt coyotes and you kill them when you shoot one, they're howling, they're singing is more of a roll call, right? So you got 10 in a pack and you shoot one, you got nine left. And all nine will howl, they'll sing. And when the one that you shot doesn't sing, they know it. They know each and every one's individual howls. And when that coyote doesn't sound off, it sends the, the, the alpha female of the pack into heat to where she will then breed creating more coyotes. So it's like the more you shoot them, the more coyotes it makes. 
So the only real way to do it to, let's say, if you have that herd of 10 or pack of 10 coyotes is to wipe out all 10 within a short amount of time, right? Within, you know, within the amount of time it takes for that to happen, her to breed, her to give birth to pups. Um, that would take trapping with hunting. And I'm not a trapper. I don't know shit about trapping. Uh, I'll shoot the shit out of something, but I, I don't know dick about trapping. Um, but that would, to me, sounds like, and if you got a vast enough area, that's, that sounds almost impossible. Unless you just have that many traps and that's what you do. But, I mean, I, I can't foresee letting them go, like meaning not do anything about them. I can't foresee that helping either. Like, that's just, they're just going to proliferate and wipe out whatever you don't want them to. You know, if it wasn't, if I didn't deer hunt, and I really wouldn't give a shit about the coyotes. I'd just leave them be. I actually would like listen to them sing and everything, but... I care about my deer herd here. I, you know, I shoot the bucks that I want to shoot. I let the bucks walk that I want to grow and, you know, shoot does and, uh, you know, I feed them, I manage my deer herd here. So that's part of them is taking care of predators. So I don't, there's no livestock around me. I don't have to worry about calves and everything. And, you know, there's a thread. This reminds me, there's a thread of snipers hide right now about a guy that took like an 880 yard shot under thermal. Uh, at a coyote. He, he killed the coyote. He went and recovered the coyote, uh, had it all in video, posted video. And there's people that come on there and talk about, there's no way you can ethically take a coyote at night under thermal, ethically. And I'm like, I, and I commented, I said, all these people talking about is ethical hunting of coyotes. You're talking to people who's protecting their livelihood. They're, they're ranchers. They have, you know, each calf is a lot of money. Each mama is a lot of money or whether it be sheep or anything like that. Not only that, but coyotes are no better than any other fucking vermin. If it, I mean, are you going to worry about ethically shooting a muskrat? I, I, I said this in my post. I said, I would shoot one with a fucking potato gun if I thought I could hit him. Like I, I'd give two shits about an ethical kill on a coyote. Do not care. Yeah, you know, I'll hit one. I've shot one's tail off before my bow. I had two uh, running shoulder to shoulder chasing a spike buck in front of me the last day of the season in like 20 or 2006 or something like that, 2007. Um, and I seen the buck come, tongue hanging out. He was busting ass through the woods. I'm like, something's chasing him. So I get my bow down, get ready. He literally ran right in front of my feet. So I know whatever's chasing him is, is going to be chasing him by their nose. So they're going to come right where he did. And sure enough, there's two coyotes on a string, shoulder to shoulder, running right out in front of me. I come to full draw. I wanted to, I tried to, I mean, they're running full tilt, which is a low percentage shot at even at the 18, 20 yards that they were, but I didn't give a shit. Um, uh, that goes along with what I'm saying. I don't give a damn about, eth you know, ethics when it comes to coyotes. Um, but anyway, so I tried to lead them. I wanted to pass through the first one and hit the second one, get a double with one arrow. Right. Tell me how gangster that shit would be. So I didn't lead them enough. And when I let the arrow off, I cut the first one's tail off and he spun around. Ah! spun around in circles did a backflip all this shit and 
I mean, his tail was laying right there next to my arrow. Um, but I mean, he couldn't fan a fart. His tail was gone. And he lived because the guy where I hunted, the guy that hunted there too, saw him again the next year. He says, man, I see a Cody with a sunburnt asshole. Cause he knew about it. He was, you know, there the day I did it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> he said, the Cody with a sunburnt asshole out here. I'm pretty sure you met him. <laughs> so, um, but either way, like just kill them with way, any way you can wipe them out, get them gone. And, uh, yeah, 880 yards on the thermal. If I, if I was in that situation, I'm taking pot shots off at it. I don't give a shit. I'm just trying to kill the damn thing. Um, you know, game animals, completely different. I am a very ethical hunter. And, uh, as far as, nope, I don't want to take that shot. That's too far or there's too much debris or too many deer in a, you know, you know, too close together. Absolutely not. Um, if it, if I'm somewhere to where I feel like if the deer doesn't drop, that I'm not going to be able to recover it. I'm not shooting it. Doe or buck. I'm not shooting it. You know, it's uh, whatever I shoot, I'm going to eat, you know, try my best. So, you know, ethic hunting, but this is just, you know, extermination. I don't think anybody cares about the ethics of killing roaches in a house. You know, the same thing. They're vermin. We want them gone. We want them dead. I don't care how you do it. Tannerite. I don't give a shit how you do it. Um, same thing with pigs, with hogs. Fucking kill them wholesale. I mean, just however you can do it, just kill them. Uh, all right, what else we got? Uh, I do. There's something I want to do. I want to do. I've, I've heard other podcasts that do like a dedicated uh, Q and A episode. Okay, um, a dedicated question and answer. Your questions. Do not care what they're about. They can be about guns, shooting, uh, competition. They can be about reloading, uh, dog training, um, fucking beer, uh, personal life, jujitsu, whatever, whatever you want to be about. Politics, don't give a shit. Hey, give me a, give me a question, and uh, I'm gonna start documenting. So uh, I'm gonna give you two places to enter your questions and. Um, I mean, let's make it three. Make it easy. You can either do it on Sniper's Hide. Shoot me a PM. Um, yeah, BLKWLFK9. Um, shoot me a PM there. You can do it uh, comment in the Podbean app. Or you can email it to me. And you can email me at davidmbaker at protonmail.ch. Shoot me an email, shoot me a private message on Sniper's Hide, or leave a comment on the Podbean app. Um, and I'd prefer you do it on the, on the Podbean app. That'd be a better place for me to just have it there. But if you're whatever, do it. Just get it to me somehow. And I'm going to start I'm putting them on the database, uh, um, just compile them all, and then I'll print them off and then read them and, and answer the questions. So I think that'd be a lot of fun. And, you know, what, like I said, no question off limits whatever you want to talk about and we'll get that cracked off. Um, that's something I've been wanting to do. All right, let's see. All right, cool. So I did nail down my, uh, final load for the 95 grain SMKs. So 32, 
yeah, 32.6 grains of 8208, XBR 8208, um, gave me, what was it, 3137 feet per second, 3137 with an SD of like four, three or four. So um, that, and then what I did was I wasn't just doing, and it worked, I just, I'll explain. I was just going to leave my dies where they were for the 105s and just load up with the 95s, throw the the, um, the tuner on my barrel, and just tune the seat and depth in with that. I did that at first, and it shot fine. And then I was like, well, I'm going to be wanting that tuner on my six Creedmoor barrel because I've switched to the federal premium gold medal match 105 burgers and it groups okay but it could group better right uh the the Hornady 108 stuff it's fucking awesome but the uh the federal stuff I could go shoot a match with tomorrow without the tuner and and probably hit just as many targets as I would without it, you know with it then, but I just for a confidence thing and whatever, I wanted the tuner on that barrel and I don't want to be swapping, taking breaks off as much or whatever. So I was, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to, uh, well, actually I did, I did throw the tuner on it and I got the groups dialed, you know, three eighths MOA, sometimes better, um, with the tuner, boom and worked fine. And then I was like, eh, I'm going to put it on the six cream barrel, took it off. And I said, I'm going to do a seat and depth test. And I'll tell you, I just started seating them in. I don't even know where they're at, where I have no idea where that bullet is in relation to the throat or the lands. I got no idea. I've never put that 95 SMK into a modified case or in any way measured that chamber with a 95 SMK. I got no idea. Wherever my die was set for the 105s, I just started from there and just worked back in 3,000 increments. And then it didn't take long. Everything was shooting and not one load was un, I mean, was over half an inch at once I started seating the depth. Now it's weird how where I started, it was over half inch, but as soon as I started seating them in from there, like literally from 3000 from where it started out, boom, everything came down. But like the last three, so I got like a nine thou, 10 thou window of where they are all just I mean, little bug hole, right? And it's like 1.75 or 1.760 to 7.50. Anywhere in there is fucking little bitty bug holes. And um, so then I took it from 100, shot it out at 511, and boom, little 0.3 MOA groups, or inch and a half, inch and uh, three quarter inch. Uh, groups at 511 yards and uh, I'm done like that's it it was super simple I went from 32.2 grains to 32.8 grains and I could have really have picked any of them but I picked with 30 uh, 32.6 and then boom wasn't many rounds at all in the seat and depth done I, I know that is also uh, you know, attributable to the being a dasher. Dashers are super accurate and 8208 is a awesome powder. Um, but anyway, we got a match coming up this coming up weekend. So a week from the day, it's me and CL. Jeff's got a, a, 
uh, tournament he's fishing in. He's got a, a crappy tournament, and uh, so he'll be there. He's actually actually he's hosting the tournament. He's got he's it's his tournament he's putting on. Um, but so he'll be doing, and he's fishing it. So good luck to him. But me and CL, uh, last minute decided we we're going to shoot a one day up a pig river and we are excited. I'm excited because I've been fucking quarantined for, you know, two weeks, but, uh, I also am excited cause I haven't shot a match since shit. When first week in December, whenever that was, whenever my last match was, it was sometime in December. So I'm itching to shoot a match. Um, we'll be headed up to pig river Friday afternoon. Well, we'll leave in the morning, get there Friday afternoon and shoot the one day and head on back. Um, it's always, always, always an awesome match at, uh, pig river. I know you guys have heard me sing Josh Bandy's praises. Um, you know, Keith Baker called me the other day, asking me some podcast related stuff. Um, and, uh, we just got to talking about it and talking about Josh and, you know, you know, Josh Bandy is, he is a shooter's match director. He cares. He cares about the shooter. He cares about their experience. Uh, and he cares about having a good course of fire, a fair course of fire. Um, and, uh, and making sure everybody's having a good time. Uh, I'll tell you what, of any match director out there in the country, you know, you're going to be hard pressed to, to, in my opinion, take the crown from Josh Bandy and not to mention pig rivers, uh, a, a facility is, I mean, it's breathtakingly gorgeous. Um, it's so much fun. The props, there's always like a new prop there and they got some really cool, well thought out stuff. And it, it's, it's always a good time. I've, I've never not had a guy other than me having severe dehydration, which that was no fault of the match, but, uh, that was my fault for drinking too much beer the night before, not enough water. If only he could get some air conditioning running out there, outside somehow. Then it would be no place to shoot other than Pig River. <laughs> but I don't think he's turning the air on out there. Um, but it's it was so much fun every time I've been. And I, I love it. Josh is a, a dear friend of mine. And I love him to death. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to kick the 2021 season off. At Pig River, it's going to be fun. Um, I, I, you guys remember me talking last year, like, "Hey, 2021, it's going to be, it's going to be different for me," I, and I really feel it going into it. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to go and win, uh, but I, I really feel as though I'm going to give it my, I'm actually going to show up with my best effort, uh, meaning uh, I'm in a different mental headspace. Um, and I think jujitsu has taken, it was, has contributed a lot of that not because of jujitsu itself, but just because it's something new that I'm like super passionate about now and excited about. It kind of takes the pressure off of shooting. It doesn't make me love shooting any less or shooting matches less important, but I don't know. I don't even know if I'm even explaining what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling right. Uh, it just feels that it that the shooting it there's there's just less pressure on shooting well for some reason and i don't know why that is but it, i know it's because of me doing jiu-jitsu now and that i've got a new thing too but it's uh yeah it just feels that this is going to be easier like mentally now for some reason 
Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I haven't haven't shot a match since starting jiu-jitsu, but I really feel good. I'm not, I mean, I don't get nervous anyway because they don't mean anything. But, yeah, I really feel like, yeah, I'm either going to do good or not, whatever. It's not a big deal. And I think that is actually a good a good headspace to be in. I mean, you want to try your best and do well, and I will. But if you blow up the expectations or all these, you know, like we've talked about before with goals and stuff like that, if you do that wrong, it's just going to put you in a in a bad mental place. And I'm not there. I'm in a actually really good place. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, the the gun is fucking hammering. So as long as that shows up like it, like it, you know. It always has, and uh, um, I just want to go have fun. You know, me and Sierra are going to go kick ass and 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 have a good time. And uh, we got a cool squad. We'll be there with Dan Posey and uh, Bryce Yurk. So my my two uh, ODA buddies, they'll be in our squad. And uh, it's I always have so much fun shooting with Dan and Bryce. Those are my homies, and uh, they are they're great. I mean, amazing shooters, great shooters, but more so than that, they're amazing people. Um, you guys have heard me mention them before on the podcast. So shout out to you guys if you are listening. Um, but they're, they're always so much fun to, to be around and I, I enjoy it thoroughly. And, uh, anyway, we're going to have a good time. Hopefully to, uh, you know, you know, maybe, maybe bring home some hardware, you know, you never know. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but I know it's going to be a blast cause pig river always is. And I mean, as of right now, the weather Hold on, let me just let me just check so I ain't lying to nobody. Hold on one sec. I'm currently looking. Let's see. Let's do Rocky Mount, which, by the way, Rocky Mount, Virginia, completely trumps Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Rocky Mount, North Carolina is a fucking shithole. Uh, Rocky Mount, Virginia is gorgeous. So let's see, 10-day forecast. Oh, look at that. Look at that. So there's, oh, shit. Let's hope this doesn't change. They've got rain, like, Monday through Friday, like, 80%, 40%, 70%. Then Saturday, mostly sunny, 56 is the high. I'll take it. Yep, I will take that. So I'll go dressed for, you know, it's going to be cold in the morning. It's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty cold in the morning. But after that, it's going to warm up. Yep, can't, yep, that's going to be fine. I'll take it. It's going to be colder than that there than it is here, but I'll take it. Uh, I'll take that over the 140 degrees that I shot there last time. So, uh, yep, we got that coming up next weekend. So, uh, who knows? We might do like a, uh, we might do like a road podcast. Me and CL, I imagine we will. Something to kill the time. Let's see if there's anything else uh, I want to talk about. Yes, okay. The last thing I want to I want to close with is uh, Precision Underground. I'm sure you guys have seen uh, those guys before. Um, I wear. I've got a couple of their t-shirts, and they're like my favorite t-shirts. The they they fit awesome. They are soft, and they've got an AI on the back. They got a they got an AW on the back, so loving that. Um, but uh, they uh, make they make different soft goods, bags, um, suppressor covers, uh, two round holders, stuff like that. And uh, I've got one of their rear bags, 
And the rear bag, the fill of that rear bag is the best fill of any rear bag on the market. Okay. The only problem with their bag that I have found, and when I took the course in October with Frank, we got to talking about their rear bags and he's actually had a relationship kind of going on with them where, you know, he's there sending him bags to revise and like changes and stuff like that. And he said that they've sent him like eight different like dimension bags. And he said, I, I nailed it. I, I, we finally found the one. The last one was like, he said, I told him I wanted it this wide, this long, this much fill, the strap to be this loose, um, you know, all this stuff. Because the problem with their bag is it's a little on the taller side as far as, because it looks like the shape of a standard rear bag, like a tab gear bag or something like that, which is fine. But there's a little bit taller. And it's a little bit wider too, so that, um, and it's, it's pretty full on the fill. Like they've got a lot in there. Um, it's harder to manipulate and it's, uh, because of the amount of fill and the, uh, it being wider. I mean, I don't have small hands, but I don't have gigantic lunch boxes either. So the, a little bit narrower, a hair bit shorter and a little bit less fill would be perfect. Well, when I was shooting the other day, my dumbass um, forgot my rear bag outside on the deck when I was shooting um, my six Creed Moore, getting it zeroed with the tuner on and that uh, and the AI or whatever, and I left it on the deck. And of course, without skipping a beat, Major destroyed it. There was shit everywhere, and I'm like, well, fuck. Uh, there goes my rear bag, and. Uh, Anyway, I contacted the guys up there at Precision Underground, and they, uh, I was like, hey, look, um, I used to use this excuse when I was a kid about my homework, but my dog actually did eat my rear bag. Um, so if you could, just send me one. I want one uh, to at the dimensions that you and Frank Galley discussed and landed on. It was a little bit narrower than the standard. It's a little bit shorter than the standard and had a little bit less fill than the standard with a little bit longer strap or way you can get your hand in there better and not so tight on your hand. And they're like, Oh yeah, that, that bag is already done. It's, it's, um, we, we just haven't released it yet, but we're going to, and I was like, all right, great. Yeah. Send me that, send me an invoice. Cause you know, that way I'm not getting this, the standard. I didn't want to just go to the website and, you know, put it in my cart and buy it and then send a note in there. Now I wanted them to make sure that I got the one, the size that I wanted. So I said, send me an invoice with it. And they said, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to send you the bag and then I'm going to send you another one and maybe like a little swag bag to give away on your podcast. So do a cool giveaway. I was like, dude, fuck yes. I would love that. Do a giveaway. So, um, it should be here. I mean, it can be, I didn't get a tracking number, but it'll, I'm sure it'll get here this week. I'm hoping it'll get here before the match. Otherwise I'm using my game changers, my rear back. But, uh, I, um, uh, I'll be getting it sometime, hopefully this week and going to check out the new bag, all the revisions and everything. We're going to do a, uh, I'm going to do a little mini review and talk about it on here. And of course, and give you my thoughts on it, but I tell you, their, their fill is like the secret. This the fill is super stable, and I mean, if you've seen their videos online about like little what the their comparison of putting the bag, putting the rifle on the bag, 
and then tapping the butt stock on a normal bag, right? Like let's say a tab gear bag or whatever, and how it falls over and everything. And there's, it does not, that feel doesn't move. And that's, that's, it's pretty cool. And it does feel awesome. It's just, it needed some revisions. And Frank did a probably, I haven't messed with it yet, but from the way it sounds, it's exactly what I wanted as far as thinner, I guess, narrower, shorter, uh, less fill and boom, it's going to be, I already know it's going to be awesome. So I'm excited about getting that and trying it out. And, uh, um, I'm excited about the giveaway. So I haven't, I'm, I'm just now, this is just now coming to me. I haven't like even really thought about how I'm going to do the giveaway yet until, and I might not, I might not do it this way, but I'm thinking I might. So the question and answer, uh, episode that I want to do. Okay. The coolest question. I don't know. I was like, yeah, either the coolest or the best thought out question. I'm going to give, that's who I'm going to give the bag to or the, whatever they send me. There's probably going to be a bag and like a t-shirt or stickers. I, don't, I have no idea what's coming. I've got no idea what's coming. Um, but I'm pretty excited about it because I want to give it away to you guys. Um, so you make sure you, everybody listen to this, just go on, uh, any of those three places, Snipers Hide, and put in the um, the subject line for your message on Snipers Hide, put question for episode or some shit like that, right? Uh, just so I know what you're, that you're just, you're wanting it for that episode, okay? Um, or in an email, same thing with the email, or in the Podbean app, question for Q&A episode. And then, bam, hit me with the question, and then I will pick the best cool whatever whatever answer like intrigues me the most there's no requisite there's no like you know what i'm saying (laughs) just fucking ask me something cool uh whether it be it doesn't matter it could be jiu-jitsu could be anything beer rifles dogs politics fucking aliens do not care squirrels whatever you want to talk about just Send me a question, something cool, funny. If it makes me think or it makes me laugh, you're you're on the right path, okay? So uh, anyway, that's what we're going to end it with. That's the deal. Yeah, in stone. That's what we're doing. That's that's what's going to get you the the uh, precision underground shit. So I need a fucking tits question. I need some something D cups. Give me a good question that you want me answered. I, and I may not even be the best one to answer it. I'll answer it to the best of my ability. And I promise you, I will preface. If that's the case, I will preface like, I don't know shit about fuck, but, uh, here's what I think about it. Or if I'm like, Hey, look, this is the answer. Cause if it's something I do know, then, then I'm going to let you know. I know it. If it's something I don't or know a little bit about, I'll let you know that too. But either way, give me an awesome question. And, the most awesomest of the questions is going to get the, uh, the free shit. So anyway, Oh, I, I gotta get motivated. I gotta get motivated to get guests on. Um, I do know Thursday of next week. So not this coming up Thursday before my match, but the following Thursday, heat assuming weather permitting Heath is coming. Uh, professor Heath is coming here to the house. We are, uh, going to do the recording about jujitsu where he got started 
and then I'm going to take them shooting, and then we're going to come back and be like, hey, how was that? What did you think? All that shit. We're doing that. We nailed it down today. We're going to do it on the next Thursday, um, and that'll be a really cool episode. But hopefully I'll have uh, James on here before that. I'll probably get James on here this week, and then more than likely me and CL will either do one on the way or do one in the hotel. Um, who knows? I might grab somebody from the match and sit down and do one. I might get uh, Dan uh, Posey or uh, who knows? The, a podcast should come out of this coming up weekend, and I'm sure it's going to be fucking awesome. So uh, I'm going to catch up. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Again, I apologize. I have let you down. I am sorry for not producing content. COVID sucks. And I mean, it don't suck enough to do what we've done to this fucking country. That's for goddamn sure. But it, it, it ain't fun. I mean, let's be honest. It sucks. I mean, it's like a bad flu. It just lasts a little bit longer. And that's it. Um, but anyway, thanks again, guys. Um, please stick with me, download, and make sure you're subscribed. Um, and, uh, hopefully I'll never be in this predicament again where I'm not pumping out content to you guys. I love doing this. I really do. It's, I've literally felt like shit and did not feel physically up to doing a podcast. Um, or really for a while there emotionally after, after Bosco. So, um, this beer's to Bosco drinking right now. I'm about to polish it off. This is to my old man, AKA baby stink. AKA the pup. So love you, buddy. Anyway, thanks guys. And hope you enjoyed this one. I had to get something out to you guys. So if it sucked, I apologize. And, uh, if you liked it, cool. I'm glad. So stay tuned guys. Thanks. <laughs>